Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to uh, Church Online, and welcome to week number two of a four-part series on the book of Nehemiah, the life and legacy of Nehemiah we're calling The Comeback Kid. So excited to have you here, have a few folks with me uh, for this weekend's message, and I'm so glad you're along for the ride. Let me just pause here before I get into today's message and say thank you for being so flexible, jumping back into Church Online. If you're joining us for the first time this weekend, at Church Online at City Hills. I'm so excited that you are here as well. And if you haven't caught up yet, let me encourage you to go back and YouTube or go back to Facebook and watch last week's message. Uh, week one of this series sort of gives you some foundation of where we are in the book of Nehemiah. Let me jump right into today's message. So we are in the second week of the series on the life and legacy of this character named Nehemiah. And uh, this story is really the story of God using an ordinary person, just an average ordinary kind of guy. Maybe you feel like you've been ordinary all your life and you feel like, man, thank God that this is in the Bible. I, I love when I find people like this in the Bible that give me hope, you know what I mean, that God can use somebody like me. And this message series is really for everybody uh, at church today. It's for people who need a comeback in your life. And for whatever reason you need a comeback, that God wants to use you to really make a difference and to be a part of the solution and a part of the comeback in your own Life And we're, stored, we're studying this story of uh, Nehemiah. Let me catch you up really quick in case you uh, didn't catch last weekend's message. Uh, Nehemiah is this Old Testament um, uh, character. It's a, it's a relatively short book in your, in your Bible. He's a contemporary of Ezra. And he is a part of what the, the time history is called the captivity. Uh, but things have changed. In 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, captures the southern kingdom of Judah. He brings Jerusalem uh, and all of, its, all of its inhabitants into captivity, utterly destroys Jerusalem, literally not a stone on top of the other one. And then uh, decades later, uh, the Persians actually defeat the Babylonians. So now everybody in captivity is captivity to the Persians and not the Babylonians. Are you there? All right. So th they're there. And, and, then, and, and then they live there for a, a while. And then some Jews are allowed to return back to Jerusalem. So they go back to Jerusalem to begin this process of rebuilding and really can't get anywhere. And I don't know if you've ever been this way in your life. This is true for me, where I feel like I just can't seem to make progress, or I make progress a little bit, and then I lose uh, you know, all the ground that I took. Like, I want to lose 10 pounds, and I'm just 15 pounds away. You know what I mean? Like, I, just, I think I'm making progress, and then I don't make any progress at all. And that's sort of where we are in this story. There are Jews back in Jerusalem, but they just made no progress in rebuilding. It's about 140 years now. And Nebuchadnezzar uh, is not the king anymore. Now Artaxerxes is the king, the Persian king. And Nehemiah is his cupbearer. Not a pastor. He's not a priest. He's not a contractor. He's not a warrior. He just knows God's called him to help rebuild. We said last week three things. If you didn't catch them, write these down. When you know God's called you to uh, orchestrate a comeback, be a part of a comeback, three things. You got to sit down and cry. You got to feel uh, the heartache that God has put inside of you. There's some stuff God's put on you. There's some past you got to deal with and, and really work your way through. And then you kneel down and pray. That's what Nehemiah did. We're going to lean into that just a little bit more today in prayer, uh, kneeling down and praying, asking God for help. And then Nehemiah just stands up and acts, goes right to the king and says, hey, I want to do this. This is what God's put on my heart. Will you help me with this. I'm going to lean in a little bit further than that. Let me give you some new stuff in this series of Nehemiah, but I want to sort of dovetail on one of what we talked about in last week. 
and that is the idea of kneeling down and pray. If you want to make a comeback, write this down. Here's the first thing you got to do this week is seek God continually, continually, seeking God continually. I don't know if, I don't know about you, but this is true in my life. Sometimes I pray until I get through this issue. And then as soon as the issue is relieved, I stop praying. Anybody else but me? Like, do you know what that feels like? Like most of my prayers are emergency prayers. Like God, don't let me, you know, God, you know, get me through this week, get me through this day, get me through this month. God, you know, fix this problem I'm in right now. And then we sort of walk away from once, once there's relief, we sort of walk away from seeking God. Not true in Nehemiah. It can't be true for you if you're going to make a comeback in your life. If God's going to use you to rebuild and restore some stuff in your life. Twelve times in this story, we see Nehemiah earnestly praying to God, asking God for help. Twelve different times, not one time and then and then the thing is released. Not that one prayer request that, okay, now, now it's better. I did it. You know, I went to the king and, and I got a good answer. Twelve times, every step of the way, he goes back to God. And, and he goes back to prayer. And then he goes back to the king. And then he goes back to prayer. And then back to the work. And if you're going to make a difference in your life, and if your life is going to make this comeback, it's not going to be some one prayer meeting that everything changes. Can I get a better amen, everybody? That's what I really, I want it to be that way. I really wish it was that way. And I kind of grew up thinking that's the way it happened. You know, I would go to church and had this one, you know, experience with God. And I felt like, all right, well, that ought to fix it. And then I'd wake up on Monday and it didn't fix it. Didn't fix me. Didn't really change anything else. There's this continual seeking God that you and I need in our life. Let me give you the timeline of this just to kind of show you what I mean by this continual seeking. When, when Nehemiah hears about Jerusalem, you remember he had this conversation with a, 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 a Jew that had come from Jerusalem. He asked him, how is it? Tell me about what's going on there. When he hears that, it's, it's the month of Kislev in, in the Jewish calendar. It's around November or December, uh, sort of in, the, in between those two months. Is the first time he hears it. And remember what he does. Straight to his knees. Straight to asking God. Straight to prayer. And, and then four months later... We're now in the month of Nisan in, in the Jewish calendar. For four months, he's gotten permission from the king, still praying about it. There's a lot of times in my life I want it to happen the first time, the immediate time, the thing that I wish. Uh, right now, the, uh, I, why is this still going on? And we're four months later, and it's still going on. Let me give you two big prayer mistakes maybe you make. I know that I do. The first one is our prayers are too small, and then our prayers are too general. They're just too small a lot of times, and, and most of the time, they're, they're really, really general. Things like, God, would you just bless me? God, just bless me right now. God, bless my kids. God, don't let me kill my kids. God, bless my marriage. God, don't let me kill my spouse. God, just be with me today. Help me find a job. Help me keep my job. Help me not to lose this job. Help me not to burn this place down when I leave this job. God, I just it's just this immediate, general kind of prayer. And the truth is, when you pray small and general prayers... You're undercutting the power of God in your life, everybody. You're undercutting what God wants to do. I said I'd never leave you or forsake you, God said, but I really want you to ask me for something big. I really want to be able to do something big in your life. I want to be able to, dis to display my glory in your life, Nehemiah, and you can't just come to me with this, God, help Jerusalem. God, fix the problem. God, I, I prayed that one time about it, and I talked to the king, and I think that's over with. Write this down. General prayers do not move God to specific actions. 
general prayers don't move God to specific actions. You can't get frustrated at the way God answers your prayer if you're praying, bless my family, bless me today, don't let me die in a car wreck. Just, just general kind of not, not specific prayers. I want to ask God for specific things. I want to believe that God's going to do specific things. Otherwise, listen, otherwise, there's some stuff that you want to see in your life that's going to be impossible to see if you don't get specific about what it is so that when it happens, you recognize only God could have done that thing. Amen, everybody? Only God could have known my deepest prayer. Only God knew that's what it was. When I do see God, when, I, when the prayer request is answered, I can't deny, you can't deny, no one can deny that God was in this thing. It's going to take God to pull something like that off. Amen, everybody? I got to pray big, faith-filled, specific, and continual, passionate prayer. When it comes to prayer, write this in your notes. Nothing is too big for God's power, and nothing is too small for God's concern. When it comes to prayer, praying specific prayers continually, like Nehemiah for the people of Jerusalem, for the project God had called him to do, for the work God put in his, the good work the Bible said God put in his heart. There is nothing too big for God's power. And there's nothing too small for God's concern. Well, I don't know if God can do this. He can do it. Well, I don't know if God cares about this. He cares about it. Well, I don't know if this is really going to work. I don't, I, I don't know. Can I really ask God for something that small? Yeah. Can, can, can I really ask God for something that big? You should. That's praying continually. Say amen, everybody. You've got to seek God continually in the comeback. Write the second thing down if you're going to continue this comeback. I'm just giving you some practical stuff right here from the life of Nehemiah. Very practical message series. I want to walk you through what a comeback looks like. I'm going to give you some phases to walk through. Come on, everything in my life is phases right now. You know, I'm going to give you some stuff to walk through. You've got to seek God continually. Number two, you've got to define the vision clearly. You've got to define the vision clearly. For most people, it's not a lack of of caring, that's your problem. It's a lack of clarity, that's your problem, right? And the frustration you have in your life and the frustration you have in your marriage and the frustration you have in your relationships and the frustration in your spiritual life is not because you don't care, it's because you're not clear. You don't have clarity about what I really want, what the plan really is, what the call on my life really is what God's really called me to do, what the thing I'm supposed to do with my whole life, what, where God's calling our family, what God would have me to do. It's not lack of caring. I care about it, but you can't just care about it in a general sense and not have clarity about the vision God has for your life. So Nehemiah goes to King Artaxerxes. We talked about this last week. He gets in his presence. Actually, I didn't read all of this verse to you, but Artaxerxes looks at Nehemiah and he says, you've never been this sad in my presence before. Interesting, you didn't go to Eastern Kings. You still don't today. To Eastern Kings with a, you know, with a down, you just couldn't, do, you couldn't be in their presence like that. I mean, no, no one walked into the king with a downcast face. When you, you were expected to have a certain level of energy, and, and Nehemiah was heartbroken for Jerusalem, and, and the king asked him, well, something's on your mind. T tell me what you want me to do. You've never been like this before. And, and if Nehemiah had not responded with clear vision in that, it's probable that Nehemiah would not have fulfilled the calling God had on his life. Do you understand what I'm telling you? you got to have clear, make sure you have an answer for what you want. <laughs> make sure you have an answer. When someone says, well, what's God calling you to do? Make sure you have an answer for that. When someone says, what do you want out of your family? 
Make sure you have an answer. for that. If you're single today, don't just say, I want tall, dark, and handsome. Why tall got to be first anyway? I don't, anyways. I, I have an answer. This is what I want. I've got a vision. I know what I want my marriage to be, not just what I want my man to be. Come on, somebody. I got vision for my life. Make sure you have an answer. Make sure there's clarity of vision. Make sure you got clarity of purpose. Make sure you got clarity of direction. Well, Pastor, I don't have it yet. Then wait and get it. Because the comeback demands some clarity. I think one of the most frustrating things about where we are as a country right now, and maybe even in our city, and I know what's frustrating for me in this whole pandemic is the lack of clarity. I feel like every day there's a new press conference rule thing. Anybody else, you know what I'm talking about? And I think that frustration, it just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Do I have to do it here? Are we masks here? Do I have to wear a headband there? Do I have to put handcuffs here? I don't know what to do wherever. I, there's just no clarity, and it's, it's frustrating when there's no clarity. And there's frustration in your life today, not because God's not moving on your behalf, because you don't have clarity about what God really wants to do. You don't know really what you're asking for. You don't know really how this is moving forward. You need clarity Nehemiah 2 and 4, Nehemiah answers King Artaxerxes like this. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. That's the plan. I know exactly what I want. He did not hey, send me back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. That's what I want to do. A lot of times when people ask you, what do you want out of life? What do you think God's calling you to do? Or what's this passion God's put inside of you? Or what do you want in your family? Or what do you want in your children? Or what's the relationship problem? We just have these vague, you know, I just want, I just want a good family. I just want God to bless me. I just kind of, I want a good job, you know. Just, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. I just want a good job and hopefully something with a great break room with free donuts. I just want to, you know, just kind of a, just a good just a good job. I just want to get through. And if Nehemiah would have said, if Nehemiah would have went to Artaxerxes and said something like, well, you know, um, honestly, uh, I have this aunt uh, in Jerusalem, Aunt Martha, and she's got three kids. And one of my cousins, Mickey, he told me uh, that they're doing a missions trip to Jerusalem. And I just thought, man, it'd be kind of neat. And I, I've, been real, I've been pouring wine here a long time. And I don't know. I just kind of always wanted to travel, you know, and I really like that this time of year. And Jerusalem seems nice. And people have been sending letters, and I've been writing letters back. And it's just been super neat. And I just thought, I don't know if you know or if it's possible. Mickey would like me to come spend a weekend. Martha asked if I could come over, and I said, that'd be fine. I'd ask the king. And that's not vision. And if that's how Nehemiah would have approached the king, he would have never been given the clarity purpose and direction. you got to know what God's called you to do. Write this in your notes. If you can't define it, you can't do it. <laughs> if you can't define it, you can't do it. You can't have a spiritual life that's just, well, I want a good spiritual life. Well, that's not definition. Well, I want a vibrant spiritual. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it's got vibrant prayer and I pray every day and I'm in God's word and I, I read this much of my Bible every day and I fast this many days a month. You're saying I got to be that. Yeah, that's vision clarity on a good spiritual life. Are you with me? I, I got to know if you can't define it, you can't do it. Send me to Judah to rebuild the city. That's what I want to do. I want to get out of debt by the end of 2021. I want to give $100,000 a year through the ministry of City Hills Church. I want, I, I want to tell my personal testimony to every person in my graduating class before I graduate. I, I, got, I know what I want to do. I know what, this is the, the very clear direction and purpose God's put in my life. Are you there? Say amen. You've got to define that vision 
and do it with clarity. Here's the third thing, write this down. Once you know what God's called you to do, you're seeking God continually. Number three, you've got to make your plans carefully. Make your plans carefully. A, a, a goal without a plan is just a good wish. <laughs> well, I hope to get back to Jerusalem one day. Well, I'd like to build the wall again maybe one day. Or, Well, the king said I could go build a wall. I'm just going to kind of go back and see how it goes. You know, I'm just going. I got vision for where I'm supposed to go, but I'm just going. I'm just, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. This, this happens to me a lot. Uh, I'm just going to wake up tomorrow. And I'm just, I think I'm going to really get, get my diet under control. What diet? Well, you know, the one, you know, where they eat the stuff and you count the things and, and you do the th stuff. You know, I just got no plan at all. And here's what all the, it happens to me all the time. It works really good around 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10, 11. The, we start coming off the rails, <laughs> okay? Because I don't have a lunch plan and Double Dave's Pizza is where it's at. Come on, somebody. Like, if you don't have a plan, it just comes off the rails. It just, and so many things in your life, you may even have clear vision. And no plan. You've got to have a plan for the comeback in your life, the comeback in your family, the comeback for your relationships, the comeback in your spiritual life. You've got to have a plan and make sure it's careful. Here's what the Bible says in Nehemiah 2 and 6. And then the king and the queen. So this is the first time we hear it. So Artaxerxes' wife is sitting there the whole time. Asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? Anybody ever ask you, like, you're pitching your plan, and then they ask you a specific, and you don't have an answer? You're like, uh, uh well, I don't know. I hadn't really, uh, I hadn't thought it pleased the king to send me. And so here's what he says. So it pleased the king to send me, and so, listen to this, Nehemiah says, I set a time. I just decided to make a plan. Because the king and queen, I think the queen asked this. The Bible's not clear. It said they were there together. I think the queen probably asked, that's a good idea. Uh, when you going? <laughs> when when you coming back? And how long is this going to take? Verse seven. So I said to the king, if it pleases the king, I got some more plans. Listen to this. Can I have letters to the governor of the Trans Euphrates so that they'll provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? Verse eight. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for a residence that I can live in. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, listen close, the king granted my request. Nehemiah said, since you asked about my timeline, I not only have a timeline, I got a list of needs. <laughs> and he rolls out this whole list of, uh, I was thinking too, you could write me some letters because there's some kings on the way between Susa and Jerusalem that could harm me. Could you help me with them and tell them that you said I was cool and it was okay that I passed through here? And since you asked, I was thinking you could give me a bunch of timber so I could build my house. And I was thinking you'd send me with some money. Are you with me, everybody? I got a plan. If you don't have a plan, you can't expect God to give protection and provision. A plan is how you get the protection and the provision that you need from God to do what God's called you to do. Well, I just thought God would just come through. He will. He'd just like to see your plan sometimes. <laughs> well, I just, I just thought it would work out. It will with a good thought out careful plan. <laughs> with a prayed over, fasted over, thinking about, working on, vision for, written down plan. Are you there, everybody?
The plan doesn't have to be perfect, but it's got to help you do the next right thing. It's got to give you some steps. What in your life, listen, what in your life are you complaining about but you haven't planned for? What in your life are you complaining about? You're constantly talking about what I don't have, what's not working right, why these people don't, and nobody did, and I don't know how this is going to work, and why don't I have direction here, but you haven't planned for any of it. What are you complaining about you haven't even planned for? Because your life moves at the speed of your choices, everybody. It moves at the speed of the plan and the choices that you make. So what's the plan? If you want to start in ministry, find out who's doing what you want to do. Go, go to a meeting with them. Take a tour. Ask a bunch of questions. I tell my team all the time, when we bring somebody in, when there's another pastor or another ministry leader, or somebody that comes into our staff or somebody we just have the opportunity to be around for a little bit, don't come empty-handed. You better, you better have a list of questions. If I say, does anybody have any questions for, you better have... I got to, yeah, since, since you brought it up, how do you do and where do we go? And that's how learners are because I got a plan to get better. But if I'm going to get better, I got to have a plan. I can't just say I'm going to get better because I'm around them or, or it's just going to work out. If you got an idea, take an online class, find a mentor, write a business plan, start, listen to a podcast, do something, get a plan together to get better. If you need a date, all the single dudes, let me help you right now at Church Online. Sell your PS4. Buy you a shirt with a collar. Go to Target. Come on, somebody. I'm helping you. Get a plan together to get out of your mama's basement. You've got to get a plan. Go where the girls are. They're all on the dream team. That's a, you just got to get a plan. Get a plan. Get a plan. Success is not something that's some accomplishment in the future. Success is doing the right thing today and then the right thing tomorrow. And then the right thing the next day. Success is not some far off thing. Well, I, I, when I get to Jerusalem, I just hope it works out. No, success is I got a plan today. I'm going to do the right thing today. Make a plan and make it clear. Here's the last thing. Once you've covered it in prayer, once you know that you're seeking God, not that one time that you go to God, not that one, God, please bless me, that very specific, I'm continually, I'm praying in every step of this whole thing. I'm covering this whole thing in prayer. We're doing it right now in our church as we plan and prepare for what do we do for safety? How do we gather in person? Are we at church online? Every step of the way, there's prayer, there's prayer, there's prayer. Every decision, every phone call, every meeting, there's prayer. I'm seeking God continually. And then I got vision for Claire. I know where God's called us. One of the things I love about this church is even though we're meeting at church online like this weekend, the vision still is moving forward. Everybody knows we're here to help people know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference. Now we can write out the plan. Well, what are we going to do with Growth Track? Well, it's going digital. It's going all online. You can get on the Growth Track today. Still join the church. Still discover your purpose. You can join a, a dream team now. You can start finding freedom in a small group. You can come to know God today. Like we have vision and we got a plan to move forward. And then here's the, here's the last thing. If you're going to make a comeback in your life, write this down and then we'll pray. you got to move forward passionately move forward passionately there's a lack of you, you ever you ever feel like you meet people just have lack of passion like there's something going on in the world you don't know about like why are you so chill you know like i need something to know something lights you up you know what i mean I, sometimes i meet people and they they, ha they say things like well I want God to use me. And I go, okay, well, 
Let me see some passion there. Let me see some fire in there. What, what's coming against you? Let me just go ahead and tell you the truth. What's coming against you, the opposition that's coming, the discouragement that's on the way, the distraction, Nehemiah, I know the rest of your story here, the fatigue, all of that stuff, you're going to question, is this possible? Is it even worth it? And if you don't have passion for it, you'll give up in the middle of the work God's called you to do because you don't have this continual moving forward in passion. I'm pursuing God. I'm doing a good work. I know this is what God's called me to do. I know this is what I'm supposed to spend my life on. I know this is a good work in my family. I know this is a good work for my marriage. Is counseling expensive? Is it hard every week to make time? Is it embarrassing being vulnerable? You bet it is. But I'm passionate about getting this right, getting my marriage right. So I'm moving forward passionately. Are you with me, everybody? you got to have passion for that. Nehemiah gathers a bunch of people and he says, let's get ready to get to work. And, and I want you to, we're going to read what he says before we pray. I want you to hear the passion in his voice. I want you to hear the passion in his heart. I want you to realize that if it doesn't move you, write this down, it probably won't move them and it probably won't move God. <laughs> if it doesn't move you, it probably won't move them and it probably won't move God. There's some stuff you just got to have passion. This comeback requires a passion for the call of God in my life. Be a person of passion. Come on, be a person of a passion for spiritual things. Be a person of passion for life and for healthy relationships. And be a person of passion for your calling and for your family and for your spiritual life. Be passionate about prayer and passionate about worship and passionate about serving. Passionate people change the world. Passive people complain because the world changed. Let me say it again. Passionate people change the world. Passive people complain because the world changed. I'm going to say it one more time so you get it. Passionate people, those are the people who are world changers. They're the people who God's using to move forward the kingdom, who's, who have healthy relationships, who succeed financially, who are raising God-honoring, world-changing kids. Passionate people are opening businesses and following the call of God and going into ministry and starting ministries for, for, for the disenfranchised and marginalized in their neighborhoods. Passionate people change the world. Passive people complain about all the change. Well, I wish it was different. Well, why do they have that I don't have? Well, why did they get that I didn't get? Well, I can't believe God blessed them and didn't. I, I'm just telling you, you look a, a hundred times out of a hundred, you'll see passion versus a passive attitude. Don't be a passive person. Have passion about it. Look what Nehemiah says, and let's pray. Nehemiah 2.17 says, Then I said to them, all these people he's gathered, you see the trouble we're in. Just listen, listen to the language. You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. There's, there, there's some vision. I know exactly what I want to do. There's clarity. And we'll no longer be in disgrace. He's appealing to their heart and the passion. And I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me. In other words, I've been praying about this. I didn't just come to this just yesterday. I, 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 this is something I've, I've continually sought the Lord about. And I told him everything the king said to me. He has this passionate experience and it brings people together. One of my favorite leadership quotes is if, if, you, if, if you want to build a boat and if you want to explore the ocean and the world, you don't gather people in wood and nails and hammers. 
You encourage people to long for the sea. There's this longing for the sea that I have. That's the passion that fires people up to build boats to explore the world. Are you with me, everybody? There's passion you got to have. I want you to have passion that God is for you. I want you to have faith that God is with you. Nehemiah, you got a good work to do. There's something you know that God's calling you to, a comeback that you need in your life. It could be in a relationship. It could be in your, in your finances. It could be in light of this pandemic, sort of the changes all around you. Maybe your business is closed or your business has changed. And here you are trying to decide what is the, what's 2.0 in 2020 look like, everybody? What, what do we do now and how do we pivot? One of the things I love about you as a church family and our dream team is the pivot you've made. To Hey, we can, we're going to be flexible because the vision's clear. Amen, everybody. And, and the plan's changing. And so we just crumple that up. Write a new one down. Here's the new plan. This is what we're going to do now. And then we're going to keep going back to God and bathing it in prayer. God is empowering you to do something to make a difference, to have a comeback. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads for prayer at church this weekend, wherever you are, around the kitchen table, in your living room. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for our church family that has been through this, walked through this the last several months now and all of the change that's gone on and all the differences and I know how tough that's been and I'm sure it's tough in their lives and their relationships and their marriages with their kids with school what's happening with finances what are we going to do and God we need a comeback we need faith to believe you for what's next not just for what's happened or even what's now so I pray for people at church this weekend, wherever they are, God, move into that space where they are gathered around their family. God, strengthen them with fresh vision. I pray for clarity of vision. God, give them a clear idea, a picture of what you want in their lives, of what could be in their lives. Give them boldness to pray specific prayers, to believe God for the impossible. God, I pray for that kind of faith. Come on, let your faith rise in that right now. God, I pray that, God, that their eyes would be elevated above the current situation to what could be. And I pray in Jesus' name, there's a plan. There's a plan. There's a plan put in action. God, let them, maybe even today, gather around just, just a notebook and start writing. Here's what could be. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to get up and open my Bible. I'm going to spend the first 15 minutes. I'm going I'm to do the best I can here. I'm going to call that counselor. I'm going to register for that online course. I'm going I'm to spend that. I'm going to make that phone call. Spend that time with my child. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to make a plan. And I'm going to do it with passion. God, I pray for passion to arise. God, it's times like this where apathy sets in. Where we feel like I don't know how. I don't even want to leave the house. I don't know what it's going to be like. I pray against that in Jesus' name. I pray for passion. Help us to move forward with passion for God, passion for the things of God and the calling on our lives. Stay right there in this posture of prayer where you are. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I don't want to close this message without giving you a chance to do just that. You, you need a comeback in your life if you're far from God or maybe you've never surrendered your whole life to God. The first step forward for you is total surrender. And it's a simple prayer, but it costs you everything. If you're ready to make that kind of prayer or come home today, why don't you pray along with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you paid the price that I could have a new life. You paid for my sins, so I repent. I ask you for forgiveness. I receive that forgiveness of the cross today. 
God, I want you to be the Lord of my life and lead me every step of my life from today forward. I'm making a fresh start. I'm moving on. I'm making a comeback. In Jesus' mighty name.